Well, welcome this morning to Wildwood Christian Church. My name is Doug Vernon. I'm really thankful to have you here to be a part of honoring God and worshiping Him. Uh, those of you who are online, we, we welcome you. And if you're new with us today, checking us out, we would love to know. Um, you can put your name in the chat box there, or you could ask for a chat with our host, and we would love to be able to connect more with you this day. Those of you who are in person, then you know that you're actually watching me uh, by recording. And so I recorded this a few days ago, and I'm glad to be with you. And I hope that you had a great Christmas celebration with your family. I wanted to mention to you that starting next Sunday, um, the first Sunday of January, we will do a message entitled, Where Do You Sit? As I just spend some time from the Old Testament challenging us in a very visual way um, to consider our walk with Jesus Christ and where we happen to be at. Uh, it's the first Sunday of the new year. I'd love to have you be here either online or especially in person. Maybe you've been kind of hesitant. It's the start of the new year. I'd love to have you come here. If you still have health and safety issues, please stay at home and watch online. But maybe next Sunday is the Sunday for you to be here. Everything will be live next Sunday. I also wanted to mention to you a very special thing that happened following last Sunday morning service. But Stephanie and her daughter, Holly, were baptized into Jesus Christ. I love these pictures, the look on their face. Uh, it was just so great to be a part of that. And thank you as a church family. They started coming last June. You loved and welcomed them, made them feel like they were a part of our family. And some of you influenced them. Um, and to see them make that decision to allow Jesus to be the Lord of their life, what a, what a blessing that is. Maybe you need to talk to one of us about baptism. So let us know. We would love to be able to have that visit with you. And one last uh, piece of housekeeping. Today is Marvin and Diana Raymond's anniversary, their 50th wedding anniversary. Um, they're not with us today, um, but it's great to have such faithful couples who love the Lord, who love each other's examples and servants in our church. I hope you express your congratulations to Marv and Diana when you see them for 50 years of marriage. What a, what a great blessing they are to our church family. So over the years of me being a follower of Jesus, which are many, there have been different times with I, in which I have struggled with a measure of uncertainty. I've never really struggled with belief in God or the truth of His Word but there's some, been some other things that have caused me to struggle with a little bit of doubt or uncertainty or just to, to struggle in regard to belief. Um, sometimes it's the difficult teachings of Jesus that I kind of come across. And I know I'm going to be preaching or teaching something that's challenging to you or even to me. And, but my struggles really come much more in regard to the difficult circumstances and or people um, that are a part of the church. You know, people who just act and behave in a way that's anything like what a believer should be, or circumstances that kind of just keep piling on and just make it so difficult to, to say, you know, how do I keep going in my walk with Jesus Christ? To circumstances in which I just say, God, you know, what's going on and what's happening here? I think some of you understand what I'm talking about because you too have experienced times of uncertainty, or maybe just flat-out doubt. Maybe for you, it's a difficult 
circumstance that happened to you when you were a child, and it, it still lingers. You still wrestle with it, and you, you say, God, why did you let something like that happen? Or maybe for you, it's a difficult relationship in which you're just wrestling with, why is this person acting this way when I know they say they're a believer in Jesus Christ and you wonder, is the church filled with hypocrites? Or maybe for you it is. It's just you, you struggle with believing that this really, the Bible really is God's Word or you struggle with believing in God or some key aspects of the teaching of God and it causes you to have doubts and uncertainties. And even beyond that, then you even say, well, should I even have doubts as a follower of Jesus Christ? And I'm thankful that God, in His Word, demonstrated that women and men of faith, of great faith, still had their doubts and struggles and their uncertainty. In fact, one of the greatest examples is a guy by the name of John the Baptist. His story is found in Luke chapter 7, so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. John the Baptist was called by Jesus as the greatest man to have ever lived. And yet in this account that we look at, John the Baptist had his doubts. He had his struggles, his internal wrestling match, his hesitancy about Jesus and the things of God. And God, through Luke, gives us this story which shows us how um, Jesus interacted with John in the face of his doubts and what John did with those doubts. It's a great story for us to talk about this last Sunday of the year, the last study through the gospel of Luke that we have here today. And I, I pray that in this message you may encounter an opportunity to maybe acknowledge your doubts or be honest with your doubts or maybe what to do with those doubts or at least to be able to see that Jesus welcomes our doubts. And so today I, I want us to, to come face to face with just kind of the wrestling that we all have in our minds about God and the things of God. And here's the key. Here's where we're kind of going today, and it's simply this. Don't, don't let your doubts defeat you, but give them to Jesus. Don't let the, the uncertainty that you have turn you away from God, but rather bring that uncertainty to Jesus Christ. Come to Him with your doubts and with your struggles. So we're in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. You follow along in your Bibles. Those of you who are here with us today, there's Bibles under the seat or pull your phone or tablet out. Use that QR code and it will take you to the Version app. Those of you who are online, grab your Bibles or click the Bible tab. Luke 7, let's follow along together. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind received their sight, the lame walked, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Luke begins this account in verse 18 by 
saying John's disciples told him about all these things. So what are all these things? What is he talking about there? Well, if you go into the earlier part of chapter 7, there's a couple of amazing miracles. You've got the miracle of the centurion who sends word to Jesus, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus does that by far. He doesn't even come up to the servant. The centurion says, I have enough faith. You don't need to do that. And Jesus commends him for his faith. And then such a great story about Jesus raising the widow's son from the dead. And I love what Luke 7, 15 says. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And so these things are obviously the miracles But look at John chapter 7 and verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. And here's what they said. A great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. See, I think part of John's struggle was that he focused on the reaction and the response of the people. See, John had come to be the forerunner of the the Messiah. But what did they call him there in that verse? They called him a great prophet. That fell short of what John knew. He had been teaching and preaching. It's like, haven't you got it yet by this time? And when you focus on the reaction and the response of people rather than on the work of God, discouragement can certainly happen in our hearts and in our lives. But what does John do? This is important. What does he do? Verse 18 goes on, calling two of them, his disciples, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So why does John do this? Why does he ask this question? Well, it's obvious he's got some uncertainty. He's struggling a little bit. Why would he be struggling? Well, one reason he's struggling is where he's at at this particular moment. Why did John send two disciples to Jesus? Why didn't John just go himself? It's because John's in prison. He's locked up. He's chained up in prison. Why is he in prison? Because he's doing exactly what God wants him to do. He's in prison for doing the will of God, for pointing out sin and pointing to Jesus Christ. The problem is he made a very significant enemy in doing the will of God. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3 of Luke in verse 19 and 20. It says, But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. He was doing God's will, doing what God wanted him to do, being the forerunner for the Messiah, teaching about Jesus, but he's also pointing out sin. But he made an enemy in Herod, and Herod had this whole long list of things that he didn't like about John. So what's Herod do? He locks him up in prison. Here's John doing God's will, and this is what you do to me, God? You put me in prison? I think discouraging circumstances are a seedbed for doubt and uncertainty in our walk with Jesus Christ. When things just kind of seem to pile up on us and get more and more difficult, I mean, that, that's a recipe for great discouragement in our life. I think t- this past year has been that way for me. I mean, a year ago, the passing of my dad and then moving into the new year, and it just seemed like from 
day one, it just got more and more difficult for me. Just like a lot of discouragement, discouraging circumstances, discouraging people that seemed to come around. And I know a lot of it is my depression. I shared that with you, with being diagnosed with major depression. But, I mean, there were just circumstances and people, and I remember just walking away from some things and just saying, what is wrong? What is going on? That's a seedbed for doubt and discouragement, and that's what happened to John, I think, his circumstances. But I think a more significant thing that happened that caused him doubt and uncertainty was that Jesus wasn't what John had expected. See, John's style of preaching, you can tell, was his style of preaching was hellfire, damnation, brimstone, turn or burn kind of preaching, fiery kind of stuff. In fact, in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, here's an example of his preaching. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I mean, that's kind of in your face. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we've got Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I mean, that's hellfire and damnation, right? But then, here's what he said Jesus is going to be like. A couple verses later, Luke 3, 16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, I think John's picture of Jesus was he was going to come and he was just going to burn the landscape with fire. He was going to destroy evil. and He was going to set up the kingdom and it was just going to be this amazing kind of thing. And yeah, Jesus did call out, especially in regard to the religious leaders. But what was the bulk of his ministry? It was a ministry of compassion and healing and love and teaching, just one-on-one and then in the large crowds. But he talked about what it was like to be a part of God's kingdom and to live for Jesus Christ. And it was, honestly, it just wasn't what John, John was expecting. And when expectations that we have don't measure up to reality, especially in regard to faith and God and church, that's another seedbed for doubt. And so what does John do with his doubts? He asks the question, are you the one? In other words, are you the Messiah, the chosen one, the one I've been preaching about, right? Or should we expect another? So how does Jesus respond? Back in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, these are the ones John sent, right? Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. How does Jesus respond to John's doubt? He doesn't attack him. 
He doesn't demonize him there. He doesn't ridicule John. He doesn't roll his eyes and say, I can't believe, John, you're my cousin. Good grief, you know who I am. I can't believe you are asking these kind of questions. What's he do? He gives answers. He, he provides evidence through the followers of John. He says, you say what you have seen and heard. But he brought his doubts to Jesus. And I I want you to know that when you have doubts and uncertainty and struggles, and you bring those doubts to Jesus, he's going to help you find the answers that you need. He's going to lead you to a place of greater faith and trust. Always bring your doubts to Jesus. There's a final comment, though, there in verse 23. He says there, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus knew that his coming was going to cause, well, like even we looked at last week, Simeon and his prophecy about this baby will cause the rising and the falling of many. Many will speak against him. He knew that for some... See, he's the rock that's come, and for some, that rock, what, is a rock that he's going to trip over. People, some people trip over Jesus Christ, and they fall on their face. They, they, they despise Jesus. They don't have anything to do with him. But that same rock also becomes a step in which people step up and move to a higher place in their walk and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And he was saying to John, and he's saying to us, look, it might be challenging. You're not going to necessarily have all your answers, but blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. And Jesus knows the impact, but he still brings us the truth anyway. Can we accept that? So when my expectations in reality don't line up, when the circumstances of my life seem overwhelming, and I have, I'm filled with these doubts and uncertainties. What am I going to do? What will you do? I think that there's a lot of people that honestly are surprised by the doubt of John. I mean, this is John the Baptist. The angel announced the birth of John the Baptist. He is the cousin of Jesus, so that means he grew up with Jesus, right? Uh, this is the John the Baptist who baptized and taught literally hundreds and thousands of Jews who came flocking to him. I mean, he had these huge crowds. This is the John the Baptist who prophesied and declared the truth that God wanted him to declare. This is John the Baptist who baptized Jesus himself and witnessed the Spirit coming down in the dove and the voice of the heavenly Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. To be a follower of Jesus... It's to have doubts. They come together. That's that's the essence of faith. Faith is putting your trust in something that you can't fully see or fully know. But we've all encountered difficult circumstances that make trusting in God sometimes hard. I mean, the Gentry family, Mark losing his wife Amy. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. You just feel the pain. 
But Patty and I were at the memorial service in which Mark and his kids spoke and to hear the pain but the faith and trust that they had in Jesus Christ. But it's still hard. Juan Rodriguez of David's Well Ministry, I mean, we've been connected with them for years and years. And, I mean, he, he died over a year ago. And to, to have someone of that kind of faith and leadership and making such a huge impact and for them to be taken away. I mean, there's certain circumstances that make it so very difficult in regard to fully trusting, right? There's some teachings in Scripture that are so hard. I mean, you can't help but read God's Word, especially like we've done this year and study the words and teaching of Jesus. I mean, you encounter things. If you want to be a follower of mine, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. you got to hate your own life. You, you, your love for me has got to be like, make the love for others look like hate. I mean, there's just some challenging teaching and so when we have this doubt or this uncertainty, sometimes we honestly just don't know what to do with them. So what now, huh? What do you want from me? Yeah, I could do it. You both know you wouldn't stop me. Tell me what you're doing. Okay, let's look at the logic. You create man. Man suffers enormous amounts of pain. Man dies. <laughs> Maybe you should have had just a few more brainstorming sessions prior to creation. You rested on the seventh day. Maybe you should have spent that day on compassion. So let me ask you, are you surprised, um, bothered, maybe embarrassed by the doubts that you feel that are kind of going around in your mind? One of the great values of the struggle of John the Baptist is that here is a man of great faith. God used him in a mighty way. And yet he had doubts and uncertainty. It's not what we do. It's not that we have doubts and uncertainties. It's, it's kind of what we do or how we react and respond to the doubts and uncertainties. One person said this, The difference between healthy doubt and destructive doubt is not the uttering of uncertainty, but the response that follows it. I mean, you go into the Old Testament Psalms and you see, read these Psalms of lament, of crying out to God, of frustration and discouragement. It's like, God, why are you doing this to me? And God welcomes us to do that to him and share our hurts. But you also sense this measure of humility, this grasp and understanding that, you know what? God is God. And he knows about what has happening in the world. And we are so limited in our grasp and sight and understanding of eternity that sometimes we just have to humbly say, God, I don't know, but you know. And God, I trust in you. So what are you going to do with your doubts? We, we need to do like John. We need to cry out to Jesus. We need to turn to him. 
We need to say, Lord, this is what's going on. This is my struggle. This is my difficulty. And when we do that, God, God reaches down and grabs a hold of us. I love what Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3 says. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He, gave, he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. See, we, we got to cry out to God. We have to wait patiently, but God will reach down and help us even when we fall into this pit of doubt and uncertainty. I mean, that's, that's where we need to turn. We need to follow this example of John and turn to Jesus, even if it's through friends, right, like John did. But we need to come to Jesus. And what, how do we do that today? What does that look like today? Well, one, it's through prayer. We cry out to Him. But also, it's by taking the Word of God, and it's by digging into the Word of God. It's by looking at those places that we struggle with, but it's also by spending time daily just getting to know God and the truth and the things of His Word. Some of the reason why some of you doubt is because your study of the Word of God is very, very lacking. I mean, I love you and I care for you, but it is the digging into the truth of the Word of God and it's getting to know God more and more that leads us to a place of greater faith and trust and understanding because we begin to learn more facets of the character of God and how God works and how sometimes we're so very limited. And I, I know it is, you know, difficult for some people to dig into God's Word, but you know what? God's Word is written and designed so that we could understand it. Maybe you have a translation. You, you, use the message paraphrase if you need to or the New International Version. But dig into God's Word because there's great value. There's great um, promise in God's Word. There's great reward in studying the Word of God. Here's what Psalm 119, the psalmist said. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. Notice this. And make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers? Why? Because I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. So what are the doubts that you have and which you struggle with? The uncertainty about faith or truth or the teaching of God's Word. What? Take a moment and be honest. What are those doubts that you struggle with? Don't hide them away. Don't pretend that they're not there. You need to bring them out into the open. Find trusted people. That's why our small groups are so valuable. And the, the life of this church that you can ask questions and talk to people about your own struggles. Because one of the things you'll find that others have those same kind of struggles. But bring your doubts to Jesus. But know this as well. That the essence of true faith is that I take st steps of trust even though I don't have all the answers. I mean, we will not have all those answers until we get to heaven. And so there's a measure of God will provide us enough evidence and truth and we'll grow in our understanding of that. 
But you and I, we're not going to have all of the answers on this side of eternity. And that's where faith and trust, but God is worthy of our faith. So we're going to take just about 60 to 90 seconds and let you quietly reflect and meditate. The question that John asks, are you the one? going to be up on the screen, but I encourage you over the next few minutes to be honest with God about your doubts. If, if you need to, just close your eyes as you hear the music and kind of reflect and meditate and just say, God, here's where I struggle with my doubt, and then cry out to him and say, Lord, help me to have the courage to, to seek, to dig into your word, to talk to others. And so I'll pray for us. We'll have about 60 to 90 seconds of a time of reflection and meditation, then Phil will come and lead us in a song of encouragement and of challenge, but I, I invite you to wrestle with your doubts, find comfort and strength in the story of John the Baptist. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth of your word that we can turn to it. And even someone like John who wrestles so much, even at certain times of his faith, Lord, we all have those times of uncertainty. But Lord, help us to be honest with you about them. Not to hide them out or not to pretend we don't need to know, but Lord, to just have the courage to step into you and your truth and do what we can because you're big enough, Father, to take our questions and our crying out. And so, Lord, use these next few minutes to provide encouragement and courage in our hearts and our lives. And it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen.